Hey, before we start, a quick note for our Device and Virtue listeners. We wanted to remind you that there is a growing group of Device and Virtue patrons who support the podcast with a small monthly amount. In return, we work our hardest to continue producing really thoughtful episodes about tech and faith. If this isn't just entertainment for you, but you believe this is a critical conversation that we're really just not hearing anywhere else, would you consider joining our team? Learn more on our website, including Patreon bonuses at deviceandvirtue.com. Good job, Chris. Thanks. are digital natives on a level that I will never be. They're going to teach me about how to use technology coming forward. You know, our kids have the potential to be bombarded 24-7 by an outside influence that they can't get away from. The short answer is no, I don't have any place that I've found that I can go for advice on technology and kids. When I hear the word screen time, I feel like a failure. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. Chris, we are talking about technology and parenting and devices. And kids. Raising your kids with all these devices. Chris, how many kids do you have? I have no kids. Adam, how many kids do you have? I also have no kids. This is going to be a great episode. This is going to get interesting. <laughs> we have so many people that listen to the podcast that have said, when are you guys going to talk about kids and technology? Because it's everywhere. Yeah, it is everywhere. And parenting is like such a big topic around this question. And you read all these theology books, and I read all these <laughs> technology books, and we looked for kids and didn't find them anywhere. Yeah, there were no kids in any of the books. <laughs> no pictures. <laughs> so we realized if we we're going to talk about this topic, which is a really good idea, yeah. we might need to do something new. Yeah, we needed to pull in some heavy heavy lifting. I think you mean heavy hitters. Yeah, yes. Heavy hitters <laughs> is what I mean. It's our first guests ever. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Erica, and I'm Chris's sister, and I live downtown Washington, D.C., and I have three kids. I have a fifth grader, a second grader, and a kindergartner. I'm Pearl, and I am 10 years old. I am Avia, and I am seven. I am Kuiper, and I am six. six. Today. It's my birthday. Check one, check three. All right. So just hold it like like right here. So talk into it a little bit. Hello. My name is Laura, and I'm Adam's older and wiser <laughs> sister. <laughs> so Daryl and I have four kids. And our oldest just turned 13. So we have a teenager in the house. Yikes. Which is a whole new world. His name is Judah. And then we have twins that are six and they're in first grade. A boy named Jax and a girl named Brea. Then we have a little guy who's three, almost four. Almost four, yeah. My name is Jet. I am three years old. And I love zombies. Bye. <laughs> I am Judah Cloud, and I turned 13 just this last November. 
My name is Jax. I'm six years old, and I and I love nothing but God and Jesus. Hi, I am Brea, and I'm six years old, and I like to sing on stage fright. <laughs> but you have stage fright, huh? I have a twin, and I am the only girl in my family, and I do not believe in Santa. Bye. <laughs> so I'm glad you're sitting down with me because we're talking about how you're raising your kids with technology all around life. Yes. And I'm really curious about what you guys do as parents. Well, let's start with this. What technology do your kids love the most? Oh, gosh. I think they are normal kids. They love any and all technology, whatever will let them touch. Pretty pretty much <laughs> a lot everything. Of touch screens. I like, touch screens are their favorite, but they're not picky either. They just love technology. What technology do your kids love the most, mm. do you think? Oh, easy. Nobody even knows we have a TV almost. <laughs> wow. The little ones... You know, the six-year-olds and the three-year-old all prefer the iPad. We have one iPad, and it's mine, and I never use it, (laughs) ever. They all fight over that one iPad. So, you interviewed your sister. I did, and you interviewed your sister. I did. My sister's Erica. My sister's Laura. And my sister has the three kids, which you heard. And Laura has four kids. And we asked them how they raised their kids, which is cool conversation it Did was you like a, doing it I, I i really enjoyed it i i learned stuff i didn't know about my sister and just about how she's kind of thinking about technology and raising her kids right and it was super insightful yeah they're both like we're pretty smart yeah <laughs> smart. they've got they've got great genes i'm sure of it <laughs> they're perfect genes. yeah i've never met your sister in person and, and i don't you yeah, met mine i don't right? think so um, but it was fun listening to each other's sisters and i feel like now i want to <laughs> yeah for um, sure they came up with a lot of similar topics some things were the same their opinions other yeah. things were a little different right? yeah they yeah had, i think it kind of just illuminates kind of the spectrum of ways that parents are doing parenting with devices and technology and a lot of parents worry about how is technology affecting my kids right and so why don't we just take a few clips at a time and listen to what they have to say, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. You homeschool the kids. Yeah. I do. One thing that I noticed you do is a lot of YouTube searching. Oh, yes. Yes. What do you do with that? Yes. Since we homeschool, definitely the internet is Full. It's just a vast treasure trove of resources for homeschooling families. <laughs> Are you studying anatomy? There's going to be half a dozen top quality shows at various educational levels that are going to be reinforcing what we cover. Really? Are we studying the Taj Mahal? We can pull up a VR tour that we can drop in our Google Cardboard. Wow. Are we about to drive down to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina? We might listen to an audiobook on the way there or flip through a picture book on the iPad. Right. Do we want to build a robot, learn how to watercolor paint, cook a special recipe? There's YouTube tutorials for all of it. YouTube is like pretty impressive. It's amazing. So right away, we're talking about all this content and how many cool things she found on YouTube. My sister, but your sister has sort of a different take. Do you mind telling me what uh, precipitated banning YouTube? Oh, yeah. So when the kids first started really kind of getting into personal devices, they wanted to, I don't know how they even found out about it, but they wanted to watch these videos called Ryan's Toy Review. Toys okay. Review, yeah. Whatever. And, you know, it's fairly harmless. They watch these other kids 
play with all these cool toys and you know that's basically yeah. commercials these days yeah right? yeah and then that led to other channels that were similar to that like okay brea found some little ones called come play with me and they were little girls playing with dolls and these kids just loved watching other kids play with toys and they would rather do that than play themselves yeah that's fascinating it, to me. yes it's crazy so we tried to limit it, but we didn't get rid of it altogether. But recently, even though we had filters on all the devices, okay, you know, one video, they they lead you to yeah, other videos, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just autoplay, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll start, you know, prompting other channels that they think you might be interested in. Well, right. it was leading, we caught Jack's in particular watching a channel that was like by teens and they were clearly inappropriate videos. They were were using bad language and they were talking about topics that were scary. Okay. And I don't even know how it got through the filter. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly the filter wasn't working. Your sister banned you two. Well, my sister's using it all the time. (laughs) Now we don't want to put them against each other and I'm sure they wouldn't. Right. I think they would see both sides of what both of them are talking about. Right. And they're, they both encountered different experiences with YouTube. And I think what Erica says about using YouTube for education, I mean, everybody's doing that. And I think YouTube's a great way to learn about a lot of things. And she's engaging with it, doing a lot of work to make that happen. Yeah, she's curating a lot of it. Like, she's found all sorts of good things. Although she said there's a ton of stuff out there that's not so good. she has to sift through it. Your sister mentioned something else that was doing the curation. Yeah. So the autoplay is sort of curating curating what, in this case, what Jax was seeing. And all of a sudden she goes, no, that's not what we want them to see. that is not okay. So clearly something was broken in the autoplay, as she put it. But this is an algorithm. Google has an algorithm that YouTube is using right. to take you to the next episode. Suggest new things. Yeah. And like we discussed on another episode, these algorithms make decisions that may or may not be what uh, a human parent would yeah. do. And I think it just points to the fact that like parents need to get involved with what their kids are doing. They need to kind of have that visibility on what their kids are doing. And Erica seemed to really have a good handle on what her kids were seeing and really managing that. In Laura's case, it's not that she didn't have oversight, but when she was suddenly aware of the breakdown in that algorithm, she, she did take the initiative and control and made a different decision, actually, than Erica did. But both are equally valid ways to approach YouTube, mm-hmm. I think. You know, you and I talk a lot about the way technologies affect us invisibly. What smartphones doing to our brains and what are the <laughs> things that we don't notice about a technology yeah. is. And we don't often talk about the content of technology. Yeah. Like we don't right. talk about like right. that TV show had crime in it. So it affects you. We actually talk yeah. about how does TV affect you? Yeah. And, and that goes back to, you know, the whole Marshall McLuhan days. Where he oh, says, no. Well, but it, he talks about the content is like red meat and everyone wants to talk about that. But what you're yeah. missing is how the technology yeah. affects you. But the very first thing with kids that might be a little bit different than the other conversation is the content itself really does matter quite yeah. a lot. It does matter. In this case, this was the question of content, of what content are we seeing, what quality is, and what's exposing our kids to. Yeah. I think the access to that content is providing uh, fodder for their imaginations. And I think Mm -hmm. that's not a small thing. Like what you see, what you hear, that shapes your imagination. And I think that's really important. And I think parents are aware of that, and rightly so. 
you're right. We don't talk a lot about content. We talk about the technology as the technology, but I think what the content is, is an equally valid concern for parents to think about. One of the biggest topics that parents talk about is the buzzword of screen time. Screen time, yes. So we asked both our sisters. Some people really worry about, you know, screen time with their kids. Yeah. What do you think about screen time? Yeah, screen time, like so many things, is complicated. We don't have any hard and fast rules. But we have chosen not to have screen time be a regular programmed thing in our life. Okay. But it is a part of our routine. Okay. So what do you mean? So I know that's playing with semantics a little bit. It means we don't sit down every Tuesday and watch Elmo and then Wednesday, you know, Blue's Clues and then Thursday, Sesame Street. I do think some families regularly let their kids watch a show in the evening and it's part of their normal routine. Right. I see. That happens every day. Right. So for our family, listening to audiobooks fills that place. Oh, okay. Right. And TV is used more as a, let's work really hard on this assignment. Or you guys did a great job cleaning your room. Let's finish it up and we can go watch something. So Erica keeps it regimented without making it routine. But my sister structures it a little bit differently. After school, the kids get home a little bit before four. They have from four till six o'clock when we have dinner, uh-huh. where they just have free time. That okay. Like all the kids. Yeah. And they typically spend part of that time on a device and part of that time not. If I notice that a kid's been on a device, you know, long enough, I'll just say, okay, you've got five more minutes or I'll go see what they're watching and say, okay, you can finish that and then you're done. So we're kind of organic. (laughs) Is that a good word for it? Yeah. Also, we have an end time at night for our 13-year-old. Okay. We're really strict about him turning in his phone at 8.30. Okay. He's not like on his phone till 8.30, but he's allowed to have it on his person, you know, um, until 8.30. And then he turns it in to us and he's never allowed to have it overnight. So his bedtime is nine o'clock on school night. Yeah. So he has no screen time, at least a half hour before bed, which I think they say really it should be an hour, but you know what? Half hour is good. (laughs) Sometimes good enough is good. Yeah. And then we keep it, we charge it in our room. We don't ever let him have it overnight in his room. And he knows that we're allowed to check his phone and his text messages at any time. Yeah. You know, we know all his passwords. So one thing that's a little bit different about your sister is that she has the oldest kid that has their own phone. So that's cool how they were like taking it and, you know, they, yeah. they charge it in their room. But both our sisters are really trying to manage the way screen time just works in their family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the same way that they're doing with YouTube, they're sort of acting as a filter for their kids. They are the filter. They're the first filter. There's a reason parents manage this stuff. I mean, the APA, the Association of American Association of Pediatrics, which is AAP, actually, <laughs> in 2016 released like their updated screen time recommendations. And it really came down to like brain chemistry, like kids getting okay. you know raised and screens affect brains. Yeah. And so they actually recommended, I looked this up, babies younger than 18 months should have no screen time at all. Okay. The exception to this, this is interesting, is video chatting with grandparents or other family 
members. Okay. I wonder if that's like the bonding, the just fa- hearing the, the voice. Recognition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toddlers, 18 months to 24 months, should enjoy some screen time with a parent or caregiver there. By two or three years old, kids should watch no more than one hour a day. Okay. And then, and then they sort of talk about, you know, getting older, you sort of increase, they can slowly increase this. So even for kids as, as young as 18 months or earlier, how much time they're spending on screens seems to matter quite a bit. Yeah, it's like almost when they're really young, it's actually about they need to learn language and they need to learn about the world by hearing people's voices and touching things, the very natural input. Yeah. Whereas when they get older, it's like they're starting to, maybe it's more about their character and soul and what's forming in the content that they're that they're viewing yeah yeah at a at such a young age they can't they may not be able to necessarily make sense of what they're seeing as clearly and as they get older they're able to make more sense of kind of these abstractions i really like this one guy that was quoted in this article i was reading because he was saying it's increasingly clear that it may be time to move past screen time as a useful term to be a little bit controversial, <laughs> but they were just sort of saying not all screen time is the same screen time. Like an interactive game with multiple people playing is not the same as someone sitting by themselves in the corner or being passively glued to a cartoon, which is what they were worried about when I was a kid, right? Just watching the Smurfs. <laughs> but you can do that on iPad too, be really passive. And so screen time, there's good screen time and bad screen time. And I think that's true for adults as well, right? Because yeah, I get, absolutely. I complain about saying, I'm addicted to your phone. I'm like, well, you're addicted to Candy Crush or are you texting your spouse it's different right yeah and this is true for kids this is the thing as i was listening to your sister talk that i really liked you know because she's she's walking over to one of her kids and saying okay you need to finish that up now Mm -hmm. or she's choosing the 13 year old to sort of have the phone away from them and it's like she's loving them in this way that they probably don't love (laughs) right (laughs) like maybe resent a little bit (laughs) like kids love love the screens almost magnetically like they're drawn to it they like if you gave a kid and left it to their own devices that kid sometimes could hold onto that screen it feels like for 10 hours a day yeah and it would harm them the story between both our sisters is like they're managing things out of love for the kids right yeah i mean the same is true with us i heard a i don't know a quote recently i i liked it said bad habits are easy to develop and hard to live with but good habits are hard to develop and easy to live with. And I found that to be true in my own life. It's just, it's so easy to just slide into screen time of all sorts, all shapes and sizes. But over time, that's not the kind of habit that I want. And I think parents have to fight that hard battle on behalf of their kids and sometimes with their kids to help them develop the good habits that are easy to live with. I just think the whole approach of parents to kids really reminds me of God the Father with us. It's this idea of not everything we want is good for us. In fact, a lot of things sometimes yeah. we like just have a craving for or desire as an adult, not just as a kid, is sometimes like, oh, that would actually hurt us. Right. But it doesn't feel like that to us in the moment. And so mm-hmm. we can have bad habits. We can be attracted to things that aren't good. And sometimes God's like, hey, less screen time. Like, you need to finish that up now. Or that's not good for you and you don't even know it. That's affecting your brain chemistry. That's affecting your formation into who you would be, who I want you to become. Right. And sometimes that feels like unanswered prayer. It's like, God, I want this. God, I want this. And sometimes we don't get it. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. 
Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. I no, let me stay here. Let me stay here. I don't want to go do something harder than this. Yeah. It's a great point. I wonder if that's encouraging at all to parents who probably get a little bit tired of saying stop and their kids like, No, please some more and they're like, uh, am I do I even want to fight this fight? Yeah. But I think I know it's good for my kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do know it's good for their kid. I think a lot of parents are wondering, do these devices, are they ruining the way kids relate to each other and to other people? And so we kind of asked our sisters about that, and here's what they said. So we always watch a movie together on Friday. The grandparents even come over now. And that, to me, really is the key to guiding screen time. Is it promoting togetherness? Are the kids enjoying a game on the iPad together? They love Stack the States. And, you know, the three heads will be pressed in so close together and they'll be kibitzing and commenting on what each other does. Or is the screen promoting isolation? Are they going off in a corner with the screen, wanting to play a game all by themselves, not inviting their siblings in together? Huh. Huh. Wow. So screens, to me, are really about gathering people together to enjoy a shared experience. And when I see the screen starting to cause fights or promote isolation, that's when I'm like, time to turn it off. One thing I haven't really worried about is his ability to connect with friends or just those those interpersonal relationships. I think people often kind of go to that and say kids don't know how to interact. Yeah. Interact in person, in person or work out interpersonal issues, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. What's been interesting for us, and maybe this isn't all encompassing, but you know, we allowed him to get an Xbox. I don't know if it was in fifth grade. Okay. Remember he bought it with his own money. Um, but right away he wanted to get a headset so that he could play online with his friends. Yeah. We were like really hesitant to open that can of worms. But what was fascinating to us was once we did allow it, he was in a new school. He'd only been in this school since fourth grade. So he didn't have a lot of established friendships. Right. As soon as we let him play online on his Xbox with his friends, he started developing a friend group and a close friend group. Interesting. Yeah. Kids that he knew from school, but had no connection with, you know, no shared experiences because they hadn't grown up playing sports together or whatever. And they're still his friends, his close friends today. Yeah. And they all hang out online all the time. (laughs) And what's really weird, and you can hear them fight. You can hear them fight and have to work stuff out playing these video games. So they're like having to, you know, talk to each other and work stuff out and they're bossing each other around and I'll have to go down to the basement and be like, you need to talk nice to your friends or you're going to have to shut that off. Chris, I really liked what your sister had to say about the togetherness kind of versus isolation in how they're engaging with screens. Are they doing it as something that's happening together or is this something that's really kind of driving a wedge between them that they're kind of isolating? I like what your sister was saying about really wanting to kind of work against that a little bit and bring people together around the device to have a shared experience. Yeah, um, almost like that shared, everyone gather around the TV, kids. We're going to watch uh, Disney and Technicolor or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, like they're doing that around the iPad. There's like right. piles of them on the right. couch. And they're you doing know. it naturally. Yeah. Which is and cool. And they're playing, honestly, the touch interface of the iPad really lends itself to 
not staring at the broadcast medium, like yeah. of the old TV. The touch part of the technology is what creates some of that interactivity and allows yeah. them to do it together. Yeah, they they and it's it's what create makes it so immersive, right? right? They are so engaged. And I think it, it's what makes smartphones so immersive for everyone. That's why we get sucked in, because we can engage and interact with it. Although, if anyone's had kids all playing on an iPad, they all realize when they all try to touch at the same time, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> they, they're all zooming in at yeah, that I know, point. I know. Stop. You know, but my sister kind of came at it from a slightly different angle and just talking about how there's conflict that happens across within the devices so my nephew's online playing video games with his friends and there's actually interaction happening within the video within game. the device yeah I mean, it, it's okay, not it's, it's a, not about the weird device, ways to say it yeah, yeah. but it, yeah through it's through, through. okay and their avatars are in but they are across <laughs> yeah right yeah, right, right, right. Uh, it breaks my brain well he's doing all sorts it. of things because he's talking in the video game but he also had facetime on they're almost <laughs> talking at two channels at once yeah right yeah my sister doesn't mention that in this clip but she did say that they'll be playing a video game and then they'll turn FaceTime right. on and be FaceTiming so they're right. using all these different media to interact and to like move towards this very in-person interaction but they're having this conflict that they're working out online. I like I like the point that just being on a technology it's a real simple point that people make a lot like uh, I don't know they need to like re- relate they need to go figure out how to be friends at school and her point is he made new friendships that he didn't have at the school yeah, knew right. a little bit right. maybe knew as an acquaintance in IRL yeah. in real life had the technology had a shared experience of doing something together which is how friendships are built yeah around the technology that involved interaction involved senses involves sight involves back and forth it involves emotional content these yeah. are the things of relationships yeah. and anyone that talks about technology on one side of the room and relationships on the other is not looking closely yeah yeah you're right i i do think it's really interesting with Fortnite. it's such it's been such a phenomenon oh, is that the game Fortnite? yeah Fortnite oh, is it. what he yeah, plays yeah. mostly and it's been such a phenomenon especially for boys i don't think it's exclusively but it's primarily boys that are playing it and they're being socialized in a very specific way through this yeah. in a way that i don't know that girls uh the same age are they're maybe being socialized in a different Do way they have their own online game i, <laughs> I not not that i know of but i don't have a, a niece that it's is girls that let's age. be stereotypical i'm gonna get in trouble for this and just say they just want to talk so maybe but, there's a chat app or yeah, a tiktok I yeah don't know. Who, yeah who knows it's probably more teens but <laughs> but are are our boys being socialized in a very intensified way that, that the girls at the same age aren't i don't know the answer to that, but I think it's an interesting question to think about sociologically and over time how yeah. that's going to play out. It's interesting how we want to model online maybe some of that shared adventure kind of thing. I mean, I used to run around the neighborhood with boys and like we used to like I don't right. know, jump over fences <laughs> yeah. or play sports or something. Uh, and I know that's stereotypical, and I think there's you know girls want, could want to do that too. I'm just saying that there is something there yeah. that, about the socialization that's showing up in the technology. Yeah. Now instead of jumping over fences, they're coming in on gliders <laughs> oh, to these really? islands. Gosh, I want to play. Oh this. man, you should. See, it it is pretty cool. If I were that age, I would have totally dug it too. That's amazing. So this really is nothing new though. My nephew's online playing video games with his friends. I mean, wherever people are gathering, there's conflict. That's just the reality of it. Whether you're gathering around a device or you're gathering across a device, there's just going to be conflict there. I mean, we've seen that in the past 10 years on social media. People are having conflict with each other and it's just intensified. And in some ways, we see our kids managing it a little bit better than we are. And I think think for parents, what they, they can do is... I'm going to disagree with my sister a little bit. It's not, hey, you need to get off of that if you're having conflict, but rather, hey, how can we help them uh, guide them through the conflict they're having with their friends in online, that space? In that space. 
I think it's going to be an interesting thing to see. Is the next generation, who's much more immersed in this, the technologies, yeah. are they going to be better at seamlessly working in interpersonal things and treating other people as humans? Or... And I want to say yes on that, but I already have a conflicting example in my mind. Uh-huh. We've had cars for a long time, and people still road rage at each other. <laughs> they still treat the other cars as less human than yeah. humans. Yeah. And I'm not sure a sub- subsequent generation has changed that. And so it's possible that they get better, or it's possible that we remain calling each other names. So one question parents ask is they notice their kids being super smart about technology, just like digital natives, right? But do they need training in these areas? Do they just naturally know this stuff or do they need more, more conversation right after this? God is a genius storyteller and the evidence of this is threaded throughout scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Are kids natural digital natives? Or do they need training for digital tools? We'll start back with my sister, Erica, and then Adam's sister, Laura. And it's going to prepare the kids better for a world where they live on screens, possibly. I don't, you know, I don't know about that one. People say that. People are like, oh, the kids need to use the technology so they can learn about it. And I'm like, my kids are digital natives on a level that I will never be. They're going <laughs> to teach me about how to use technology coming forward. If we're trying to figure out which source we want to watch a show through on our TV that has a Roku and I can't always navigate YouTube versus over air versus streaming from some service. The kids are the ones who are going to show us how it's going to be. So I I don't necessarily follow the idea that kids need to be exposed to technology in order to understand technology. They they understand it just fine. I mean, my two-year-old knew how to swipe left, so. (laughs) I mean, Kuiper yesterday... My uh, mom had to figure it out, but my two-year-old had no problem. so true. Um, Kuiper yesterday was like, hey, can we play a game on your iPad? And I was like, well, I don't have any games on my iPad. He's like, you can just download it. I'll show you how. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm way past trying to obscure that. (laughs) He doesn't know how the system works. For sure. He was tracking the download tracking and everything and saying, you just get this here, you put in, you type, okay. He's trying to walk me through the process like I didn't know. (laughs) I worry about things being too easy, if that makes sense. Like, What do you mean? All your leisure is activity can just be right there in front of you on your phone. You know, you don't really have to work for yeah. anything. It's like sit back entertainment. Yeah. Uh-huh. You don't have to explore or be inventive or creative. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think all my kids are pretty creative kids yeah, natural, they are. naturally, but I worry that 
he doesn't want to take the time to put much effort into much. Because why? Yeah. All the reward is already there (laughs) in other people's creativity Mm -hmm. rather than cultivating his Mm -hmm. own. Yeah. So this brings up a really interesting distinction. We've got Kuiper who's just walking me through the download process. (laughs) And then uh, your sister's talking about she worries about whether things just get really easy with technology. And I really latched onto the word creative when she said this. And I sort of think there's two tracks because we notice both these things in kids. We notice that they're really fast. They know how to set up the Roku. They're swiping through screens faster than a lot of adults. (laughs) But at the same time, I think educators, the teachers I've talked to, have noticed that kids get to a certain point of know how to play youtube or walk through a set of steps but they may not be creating new works or innovating with what they do kids don't automatically know how to use like microsoft excel or like really get into photoshop and create something sort of beautiful they need training and learning in that i see articles on both sides of these polls oh well the kids just sort of know it or the kids are knowing nothing right now and isn't there two things happening they know the actions and the the rapid responses but they really do need to be invested in the more complex tools if they're going to be invited to make new things the the word tools is an interesting one you talk about things being toys and then tools and then environments yes, and, right. and there is a sense in which the kids are growing up in an environment of these devices that yeah, they yeah, just right. sort of have a natural aptitude for right but then there is a level at which these are um tools and there are there are tools that you need to gain skills for and and build a a knowledge base around yeah, right. knowing how to use Photoshop right. or GarageBand or right. whatever it is. Right. Our friend Andy Crouch yeah, yeah. talks about this. He uses the, the instrumentality. Terms, yeah, instrument and device. And he's using them more conceptually, right. thinking about like when you play an instrument, you are developing a skill and you are bringing your whole self to that instrument to make it work and create beautiful music. Yeah, the trumpet player, it becomes an extension of breath and of the mind and of the fingers and yeah. it creates something new. Yeah, and and the device is sort of what my sister was worried about, this, this sort of sit-back entertainment mm. experience where it just all is given to me and I just have to press a button. And that's all I do. I press, I press play and I have this beautiful symphony rather than I press all these buttons on the trumpet or the saxophone or the, on the piano right. and i have to create the music yeah yeah so i think i agree with you i maybe disagree with my own sister on this a little bit because she was very blithe she was sort of like well they don't really need to train with the technology in order to use it they already know it and i think they know some of the basics of the environment right of the technology yeah naturally and yeah. fast yeah but they might not get the all the technique and skill the, the, the instrumental yeah Yeah, but she did point to they are able to think through the different sources, the Netflix versus Amazon versus Roku. The mental map of it. Yeah, exactly. That's a how-to thing. They know how to manage that as as this larger technological system, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the the system as the instrument. I like the mental maps language on that because, I mean, it's even the difference between, like, us, you and I, and, like, our parents' generation – like I've got mental maps that they don't just on like how a smartphone works. And it's right. not like, and I could have never seen their phone. Like, Oh, I'm on some Android phone. I don't know how the heck this thing works, <laughs> but I like, I know all the basics. I know it's, you yeah. know, there's going to be settings menus. And I know it connects to LTE and I know you, there's an app store and yeah. like, and sometimes I watch them move through things. I'm like, Oh, that they get it for a second. And then they do something that's completely illogical. I'm like, <laughs> why would you do that? And I realized what they're doing a lot of times on the phone and hopefully 
hopefully they don't hate me if they listen to this, <laughs> is they are following a set of steps they learned around that instead of working with a background map of how the whole yeah, system yeah, works. And yeah. so I think the kids really do have a wide and fast map that's going to help them. And I think this question of are they going to be more creative or less creative, I think it's it's again, it's not more or less, but they're going to be differently creative. They're going to have this set of tools, whether it's a system, they're going to have a mental map that's different than ours, but these kids are sort of like just growing up in it. I was at an art show the other day, and I think a lot of people think about paintings, you know, you mix the paint, it's a manual sort of beautiful process. They're putting something on a canvas, but there's technologies there, pigmentation and oils, even how we stretch canvases and all this stuff. And then people look at kids like brushing on an iPad and creating art and go, well, but that isn't maybe as real as the oil painting, but time shift and you build things on top of technologies art has always interfused the technology and i think the kinds of art or creativity that kids are going to do is going to be a next generational built on all these all the microprocessor technology yeah before it yeah as i've talked to different programmers one of the questions i've heard people using is what's your stack yeah yeah and it's this <laughs> of idea of, of like you have these layers of knowledge that you have for different programming languages. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, yeah. and it's it's stacked on top of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then there's a platform on top, and then people use it. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's sort of that same idea that they're 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 using these different devices, different languages, and they're developing a set of skills, a stack of skills, if you will. The digital native platform. And then there's the role of technology, and is it affecting the way parents can influence their kids? Or how are parents influencing their kids in a world of technology? So I think there's so many influences giving them advice, too. One of the, one of the examples that Andy Crouch gave in this book that stuck out to me was he said, you know, a 15-year-old who's like just ridden with anxiety late at night or depression Whereas in the past, they would be forced to turn to their parents for comfort and wisdom and truth in that moment or to help work through those emotions. Now, they'll be in their bedroom at night with their phone Mm -hmm. and they'll just send out a barrage of texts or they'll post vulnerable stuff on social media and they'll start, you know, getting all sorts of feedback from their 15 year old friends or (laughs) other people that's just going to feed that anxiety and they're not necessarily going to get the truth or the comfort that they should be getting or the guidance from their parents. Yeah. That kind of stuff is really scary. Yeah. It amplifies that time in a teenager's life where they're wanting Mm -hmm. to like develop their own identity Mm -hmm. and be separate from their parents or their family. Mm -hmm. And it sort of amplifies that. Yes. And makes it imbalanced. That's like a natural part of development. Right. Right. But the parent is still there as the umbrella. Right. I think that parents now have to fight harder for their voice and their place in their kid's life mm-hmm. as they're growing up. Parents having to influence or fight for their voice in their kids' lives. Erica talks about the way that parents influence their kids even when they're not using their voice. The struggles that I see that we talk about is how to limit our use of technology in front of our kids. Cause I think we're all aware that we 
can kind of bury ourselves in our technology, especially getting home from work. You're tired. The kids jump on top of you. And it's tempting to just watch a show with them or play a game or be like, I don't know, catch up on your sports clips. My husband's going to hate me for that comment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, my husband and I have both been convicted, and we hear this among other parents as well, that we are trying to monitor ourselves and our use of tech in front of kids. Yeah, so it sets an example. Yeah, yeah. Erica's really spot on, I think. She recognizes that parenting with kids on devices doesn't just mean managing what the kids are doing. It's managing what the parents are doing. Yeah, that's um, hard. I think. It's really hard. And I think she recognizes that difficulty. Like we have to think about what we're doing and how, and the example we're setting, what the kids are seeing us doing. I can pair that observation back to what your sister was saying about how like her son has the ability to manage his emotions or be vulnerable online instead of coming to a parent. Yeah. I think that could be a little scary. And then at the same time, I think there's nothing that's going to replace her influence in his life because he's also watching her and her husband, how they manage conflict, say, or how they love, use loving words or instruct. And that modeling is is going to shape how he works in the world. Caught, not taught, as they say. And it seems to work around technology as well. Yeah, absolutely. One of the hardest questions parents are facing today is how do I protect my kids? How do I filter out these things that I think are dangerous and how can we help them figure it out? I'll give you an example of what I mean. I used to listen to the radio. Okay. Right, right. Ooh, technology. (laughs) I know. Insidious technology there. But here's what happened. One day, my adorable five-year-old started singing the lyrics of a more, shall we say, sensual Katy Perry song. (laughs) And she had learned it listening to the radio with me. And I stopped listening to the radio that day. Or the other side of the coin. My dad recently said to me, oh, I don't know any songs by Lady Gaga. And I was like, oh, yes, you do. (laughs) And I sang him a couple of the most common lines, and he totally recognized them. (laughs) Both grandpa or the kids absorbing it, whether they know it or not. Whether we know it or not. So we live in an era where there's so much overabundance of music, shows, sites, news, books, video, just a never-ending feed Mm -hmm. that's bombarding us at all times. Your sister... It may seem like a small sacrifice, but she's making the sacrifice of listening to the radio for the sake of her kids. You know, she yeah. has this freedom. She can listen to Katy Perry and it not have the same effect on her heart. But she's she's looking at her kids and she's saying, how is this discipling my kids? Mm-hmm. And it made me think of this whole idea of the weaker brother in First Corinthians, hmm. you know, where it says, you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others to with a weaker conscience to stumble. Oh, right. Sure. And right. I really admire your sister's willingness to say, this is so important to me that I'm willing to make changes in my own habits so that my kids can benefit. And I really respect that. And I think it goes back to what she was saying about what's the sacrifice I'm making with my kids when we are tired after work and we come home and we just want to turn on and watch a show rather than engage with each other. And I think making those sacrifices as parents, I know parents are making them constantly, but it is from a Christian standpoint, it's caring for the weaker brother and sister. Right. 
And the content thing, I'm, I know my sister and other parents do have anxiety about what hits their kids because they can't stop it all. Like my sister can stop the radio, right. but then my sister lives in the city. The kids go everywhere. They go on the train uh, together and run downtown. They go to stores. They're going to see billboards. They're going to see people walking and swearing and yelling at each other, walking on the street. Yeah. They're going to um, see things that you know you might want to turn off the tv but this isn't the tv this is real life yeah and the one thing my sister would say at the same time is that she's very comfortable with them being in the world because they're looking to her on how she reacts to that and Mm -hmm. she has conversations with them about it she talks with them about it hey kids did you see that let's talk about that or when they come to her and ask her questions and there's some of that dialogue Uh, now i just feel like i'm a parenting podcast (laughs) but there's some of that dialogue that the person-to-person interaction her shepherding them that is going to let them not wander just through the city, but wander through, say, Facebook as they get older or wander through YouTube. She's coaching them, not by putting up guardrails everywhere, by starting to shepherd them and being their link. Yeah. Parents are modeling those guardrails, those filters, and the kids are picking that up. And rather than parents saying, what device can I use to filter for my kids? And there's products, by the way, Disney yeah. Circle is one, like yeah. other filtering products and, for and kids. And those are appropriate things right. for parents to have oversight on what their kids are seeing. But parents are giving their kids the tools just by modeling. And your sister, I think, is doing a great job of that. Probably the best way to protect your kids is the final piece of advice that we'll get from your sister, Laura. My my favorite piece of advice that I've gotten this year on devices and your kids, I was talking with some moms about, you know, what's the best filter to use on all these devices? How do you keep track of what your kids are accessing and stuff? And my good friend said, you know, this is what I tell my kids. I, I tell them your heart is your filter and your filter goes with you wherever you go. Hmm. And that just put a lump in my throat. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, yes. We need to be shepherding their heart. Right. We've got to put the guardrails up for sure. Right. And teach them why those guardrails are there and why they're important. And as they get older, those fences, you know, yeah. Broaden out, right? Right. But still, we have to shepherd their hearts and teaching them to look away that they are going to be faced with things that they don't see coming or exposed to things that they wish they hadn't been. And, and they got to be responsible for their own hearts, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just love that. Your heart is your filter, and your filter goes with you wherever you go. On the bus, there's no filter. Right. But your heart is your filter. Right. And for them to take responsibility and own that and to guard their hearts before it's the wellspring of life. If you've listened to our podcast at the end of our podcast, uh, device and virtue, every time we do a vice or virtue. It's time. So device and virtue has a segment at the end. I wanted to ask you whether you think this technology, this parenting technology is a vice or or it's a virtue. Oh, no. And so just react however you want and decide, is it a vice or a virtue? And then you can say why if you want. Okay. So this technology is... Disposable diapers. <laughs> virtue! <laughs> <laughs> No brainer. 
<laughs> no brainer. Oh my goodness. Oh man. I'm gonna say virtue. <laughs> you feel guilty saying that? I Why? do. <laughs> I feel guilty. So I cloth diapered. Oh, you did? I did. I cloth diapered. I want to say three kids, but I think it was two and a half. <laughs> Okay. But I use disposables while traveling and, you know, when I wanted the convenient, easy way to do it. <laughs> no cloth diapers, nothing. You know, I can admire those that it's go aspirational. That <laughs> but let me tell you, especially when we had twins. Yeah. I'll remember that you showed up at our house with a trunk full that's right diaper forgot about that <laughs> that you loaded into our house and i think we had friends that like diaper bombed us yeah brought us diapers too i mean that was a god thing <laughs> i know that they sit in landfills for like a thousand years but gosh i love them they're amazing <laughs> they're so good those diapers were from the Lord. <laughs> oh, clearly. And I do not hesitate to say that those are a virtue. <laughs> oh, man, Adam, they do it better than we do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> man, when it comes to diapers, they really have done the heavy lifting and they've dealt with a lot of crap from us. Oh, in this episode my gosh, as well. you did not. <laughs> and if you're a parent out there, Props to you. Yeah, thank you guys. It's fun that we have parent listeners, and we're getting more parent listeners maybe with uh, this episode, so we're glad we have new people. We are just getting more social media oriented, which is funny. We've always been on Twitter, but you just made a Facebook page the other day. Yeah, we're on Facebook, so follow us, uh, Device Virtue, on Facebook. and We should start a conversation on there about the parenting. Do you agree with some of this advice? Yeah. Is this what you're doing? Is this different than what you're doing? Yeah, we would love to hear what you think about some of these different questions. Of, around filters and parental influence and isolation. What do you think? Please tell us on Facebook, on Twitter. And if you really like it, five-star rating on iTunes. And if you think we sort of bombed this one, I just send us a private note. <laughs> Perfect. Good conversation with you, with our sisters, Adam. Yeah, thank uh, you to Erica and Laura. We're so appreciative and we love you. Thank you, guys. 